This is Joe Cole, and you're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode. That's right, the London is Blue podcast. It's an international break, but that doesn't mean we can't have some fun conversations about what's going on in the wild, wide world of Chelsea Football Club. Dan, one of your hosts here. And look, in an international break, particularly when Sam and I get together for Friday recording or Friday episode that's dropping, we're talking about the match coming up in the weekend. But we don't have one of those for Chelsea, so we're going to get into a couple different topics It's a little bit of an interlude to the international break where we look at what's going on with the midfield, giving a little bit of an early assessment on how well, or maybe not well, the Enzo Caicedo-Gallagher teaming or pairing is working, what our options are going to look like as injuries hopefully subside, fingers crossed, because you know what, Chelsea, that doesn't always happen. Talk a little bit more about Cole World Palmer and then look towards the future because as we've been told or as the listeners have told us, they want to know about striker or number nine options even as they're celebrating nico jackson getting on the books multiple times now this season for chelsea and not just because of yellow cards so sam with all of that said i think i have appropriately teed up this episode but let me know if there's other things that we should be getting the listeners excited for before we jump into all these topics no, I think you always do the perfect intro. So it's it's always amazing for me to sit back and not have to worry about the comparing part because you tend to do it like so flawlessly. So thank you so much for taking the weight off my shoulders and always a pleasure doing these with you, especially when uh, I don't have to bite my fingernails waiting for what my football club is going to do over the next 90 minutes. So chilled out, relaxed, and uh, hopefully it'll show over the episode's duration. Yeah, we we do get to be the beneficiaries right now of Chelsea not jumping in and ruining our weekends. Uh, The Chelsea women obviously continuing to get work done this season, uh, you know, stealing a draw maybe (laughs) uh, against Man City. So, you know, definitely an unbeaten record in the FAWSL. So Chelsea, again, trying to do the right thing and make our lives a more positive thing rather than a negative part of that. And look, we're going to get into all those things. We just want to always thank people at the beginning of the episode for supporting the podcast. We did do that through five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We love five-star reviews. Help people find the show. Let us know. Let them know if they're considering listening to our podcast that it's a great place to get Chelsea information. And one of the very few places where you can hear Sam give a lot of wonderful information for the low cost of $0. Another way that you can help support the podcast without any money parting your hands or your pockets or your wallet is going on to YouTube and subscribing to our channel there because we do drop the podcast there as well very frequently as a video format, but sometimes not. And you can hit the notify button to get notified when we drop a new episode there as well. And if you do feel like you want to support the pod financially, you can go to patreon.com forward slash London Blue Pod, support us there, join our wonderful Discord community, and all those great things. But not something you have to do just if you want to do it. But look, Sam, as we jump into this one, you took some questions. You surveyed the people. You asked them what did they want to hear about during this international break. And there were people like Satchett and Dave asking about the midfield dynamic, as Dave put it, and the midfield dilemma, as Satchett put it. Because there seems to be a dichotomy. There seems to be people already erasing players like Gallagher. One person I saw calling him Cardio G, which I think is I'm going to use moving forward. Like, they're racing him from the lineup and penciling Lavia in or someone else. I don't know. I'm feeling really good about the midfield right now. Am I wrong? Should I be feeling differently? 
No, I think you're spot on. I think um, there is a, now a healthy sample size to to give us in terms of this midfield works. You know, it's got brains and it's got brawn. It's just basically a nuisance to play around. I mean, you've got a world-class progressor in Enzo Fernandez. You've got a midfield general in Caicedo. And you've got Cardio G, you know, with all due respect uh, to his name and, and Galadog and all that it's, you know, used to sort of like degrade him and and talk about how he's not the ideal prototype of a player. Gallagher has arguably been one of our standout players from preseason up until now. He's been absolutely superb. There have been improvements in his general game. Um, we've talked about this with a lot of people and um, they've had the same assessment. Like we knew that he, there was a good player in there, but we probably didn't see it come out as consistently as we wanted it to. There was this clip of, of Thomas Tuchel basically gesticulating from the sidelines at, at Gallagher not playing a pass when when he was around and sort of just being frustrated. And that was, I think, emblematic of what Conor Gallagher was at that point in time. But that player seems to have faded away. The captaincy seems to have elevated him to a level where his effort has been, you know, superimposed and juxtaposed with with everything else, all the good things, you know, he's basically receiving with both feet in tight spaces. He's passing it around, seems more aware. So I think you've got now three wonderful footballers, extremely mobile, love to put in the craft and also have the craft to, to basically uh, cause infinite amount of problems to the opposition midfield. So I genuinely enjoy this midfield. It's not easy to, to play against, but again, we haven't really played a top, top, side uh, apart from I would say Liverpool in the league so hopefully when we get this tough run we'll get to see you know if the steel holds up against quality opposition but so far so good I really really enjoy it Uh, how about you Dan do you have the same opinions there I enjoy the midfield but I think you already know that I would say my question coming into this next run of matches is actually more due to what we saw from the last round of international breaks when we saw maybe Enzo come back a little heavier I mean, in terms of the steps he was taking, not necessarily within the player's weight. Caicedo coming back with a little bit of a knee knock. They travel such a far distance relative to Gallagher and, and others, maybe like in the England camp. All right. I don't know. I'm maybe a little worried about that heading into the match against Arsenal and this run of fixtures we have coming up that the this doesn't destabilize what was starting to be a more cohesive unit, a unit where Gallagher plays up and down fully. Enzo tries to really stay on that left-hand side and play in between the space that Gallagher and Caicedo creates. And Caicedo drops the furthest back to really shield uh, any type of chaos that could be occurring with our back line, particularly as our, our our fullbacks push forward and try to add more thrust into the attack. And so maybe talk to me about that, Sam, because I feel like that's where myself and maybe others of our listener group have a feeling of concern is that like it is something that could be very destabilized very quickly and with a minor issue, and we haven't seen whether it's uh, Ugo Chukwu or, or Ugo Chukwu and others maybe being ready to jump in and be a part of that midfield at this point now where we have figured out that like this three does work well together. Yeah, and I think that's sort of reflective in how Pochettino is treated his side. I would say the first five games I would treat as 
perhaps extended preseason where he's just been experimenting with a player roles in in light of the amount of injuries that we've had in the side. So when we looked at before Kaiseru came and the saga was still ongoing, Enzo's positioning being more of a 10, you know, he was asked to to play a little further forward and people seemed a little disenchanted by that saying, why would you take one of the world's best progressors from deep and then actually shunt him to a position where he's unable to use the full, you know, scale of his his prowess. So um, that was an issue there. And I think Poch has also realized somewhere where with Kaiseru now probably integrated well into the team, he can afford to tweak that balance. And he's arguably now shifted from a 4-2-3-1 to what I would say a more, um, I mean, gravitating towards a 4-3-3 where instead of just two pivots, you've now got Kaiseru as the deepest midfielder and now you've got two eighths. So Gallagher, I would say, is is probably the ideal box-to-box midfielder. He's just basically pushing um, to further positions on the right-hand side. He's got a responsibility to help in those uh, positional rotations on the right side with Cole Palmer. And you've got Enzo basically taking care of that responsibility on the left-hand side, which obviously we've seen him do a lot at Benfica and is a role that he prefers. So I think now Poch has settled on, I would say, his strongest midfield available to him right now. And I think the balance looks very, very good. It's just, there's harmony there. You know, Kaiseru probably uh, would prefer a slightly more all-action role considering, uh, like we talked about N'Golo Kante being given the freedom to interpret where the danger is going to be. I think Kaiseru works similarly, but with the added discipline that is required as the most conservative midfielder, um, he might not be comfortable there, but he can play that role. So I think um, with injuries sort of subsiding and us getting our other options back. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what tweak is going to be there from Poch. I would I would think that it would be just this three-man midfield and uh, maybe there would be Lavia probably like rotating with Enzo Fernandez. Like if there's an international break and he has to travel to South America, then hopefully we can bring Lavia in and, and not lose too much of the progressive value. But um, I, I would say that there is now a solid three-man midfield, which may prove as the first choice. Like we said, we've seen Ugo Chukwu uh, a couple of times. He's been, I would say, still raw, which we talked about on the pod. Uh, Lavia, also people will see that there are some defensive frailties that he needs to work on. So now there is a clear gap between the top three and the other two guys waiting to come in. So um, my verdict or my my prediction there would be play the three. And if you want to to move it around, then probably sacrifice maybe Conor Gallagher and figure out how to fit everybody else in. But that comes at a cost. And I think that cost will be evident in big games where we lose that tenacity, we lose the ability to win the ball back. I think Gallagher leads that metric in the league. He's also second in the league for tackles and interceptions. So he is extremely aggressive. He's winning the ball back for us. And when you when you remove that player from the team, then it does have a knock-on effect everywhere else. So I would say don't mess up the balance and do it only when you have room to maneuver. Yeah, it feels like when you look at the run of games that Chelsea have coming up after the break, it's Arsenal, Brentford, both at home, a third match at home in the League Cup against Blackburn Rovers, a trip away but not too far against Tottenham. Chelsea then hosts Man City at home. It isn't until the end of November after the next international break where Chelsea actually have to leave London to play a game. And 
it doesn't feel like if those three are fit, even with the return of players like Carnes, like Leslie being available, potentially if Lavia gets back to fitness, that those players will likely not start a game unless there's a need for rotation due to a fitness concern or another injury. So if we're hoping or you're betting against, as you listen to this, someone other than that midfield three being available, it would or starting a game, it would be because someone has gotten injured. And that is something we don't need any more of at Chelsea at the moment that you would imagine from this point on to the end of the, the start of the next international break, Poch would likely not change the rotation of players that he's selecting. Yeah, and and I would also go on to say that the options that are going to come in, for example, Kani Chukwumeka, like you pointed out, um, even in Kunku, I don't think those guys are wingers per se, but in preseason, they have been used on the left-hand side. So uh, what the logic there was in the 4-2-3-1 was that the left-hand side attacker could probably just come inside and, and basically form a box midfield with the other two pivots, and then you would have Four, four options in the middle and overload the center. So it provides some dominance there. And when you have the likes of, say, Nkunku, Kani Chukwumeka, and then you've got Enzo and Kaisero at the base, then obviously there is a lot of quality there in, in attack and also a lot of progression there at the bottom. So I think that's what will be interesting to see. Like, what happens to Mudrik? Um, where does Sterling play with, with Palmer's emergence? Does he get shifted to the left-hand side, which interestingly i think after the match he said you know i like the side the left hand side because it allows me to to score so i think there was a little bit of a subtle hint as to where raheem sees his best position so maybe on the left hand side so where does he play what happens to mudrik who is arguably a winger first um and as we can see like somebody like amadoweke not really in favor so what happens to the wingers and um who drops out to, to create that that dominance in the middle. I would say Gallagher suits it well. But again, uh, is he the best option at as the top-of-the-box kind of option, or do you find a way to fit somebody else? So those will be questions, obviously, that will be there for, for Pochettino when we have everybody fit. But right now, uh, this move that we've had from 4-2-3-1 to slightly 4-3-3 with a more balanced midfield, I think seems to be working well for us. It'll just be interesting to see uh, what happens against the more possession dominant sides, the ones that overload the center and want the ball and can pass it around you. Um, I think that will then give us a better indication of where the evolution for Pochettino will be next. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about that in future pods, but stay tuned after this break because we're going to get into some more about what happens, knock on wood, if all of these injuries start to subside and Pochettino can pick for more players as it relates to his starting lineup. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. With a busy fall season already in swing, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for a jam-packed day. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up for fast breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with a healthy lifestyle. Look, you can relish the best of autumn with fall flavors. Fall is my favorite, my favorite season, and I even love the flavors that come with it. Uh, for a limited time only, you can enjoy some hearty, comforting meals featuring seasonal veggies like cranberry, pecan chicken, apple Dijon pork chops, ready in just two minutes. will satisfy you your fall cravings during the busy season without the hassle. Uh, you can even level up with the gourmet plus options prepared to, for 
perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. Look, if you want to save 50% off this October, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. All you have to do is choose your meals, enjoy the fresh flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in how many minutes? Two and no mess. So head to factormeals.com forward slash London is blue 50. Use code London is blue 50 to get 50% off. That's code London is blue 50 at factormeals.com forward slash London is blue 50 to get that discount. You'll enjoy it. I did. They're delicious. You won't go wrong. Check it out. There is no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. One of the things I love about Indeed is that they make hiring all in one place. It's easy because, well, candidates you invite are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in the search. When you get one step closer to the hire by immediately matching you with a quality candidate, it makes it go faster. And when you're looking to hire, the quicker you get the right person in the role, the better. So start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash blue wire sports. That offer is good for a limited time. So claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com forward slash blue wire sports. Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying you heard about it on this podcast. Indeed.com forward slash blue wire sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need indeed. All right, Sam. So we had questions from another Sam, feels like favoritism, and William talking about what this, the end of an injury crisis or the return of players from injury, long-term injury, short-term injury means to this team, means to this unit. William particularly calling out return of Reese James because we know that we've seen Malagusto outside of the... I mean, you can talk about it if you want to, the ridiculous audio and framing... I don't know, frame job that VAR did on him for that red card, um, particularly after listening to the audio after the fact that was n- not very favorable for the officials at all. What ends up happening with, with James and Gusto? What ends up happening with other players on the pitch? We talked a f- little bit about this as, as it relates to the midfield, but I think it means more maybe in the sense of what happens to the defense rather than the midfield because James kept pushing out someone like Gusto or even Kukurea who's had a chance to play recently, like does that shift anything else in the defensive line? I think it shifts around a lot of possibilities. Um, and, and that's the exciting part of it. Like when I look at the squad makeup, which in terms of, which is the ideal 11 in terms of experience and youth, uh, obviously Reese James would be the first name on the team sheet as captain. And I would say the right-hand side, the left-hand side, in terms of fullbacks, we've had to improvise with Chilwell's injury, with Colville sort of becoming this option of a, of a hybrid player who's able to do both roles. Um, I think there is scope for us to, to put something on the right-hand side in terms of offering an overlapping presence for Cole Palmer. Right now, what has happened is because we've got Kukureya who doesn't really overlap. And even if he does, he's extremely left-footed. So there are not a lot of avenues for him to cross first time, even on his overlap. He has to cut inside, look for the right delivery, and then cross. With Reese James, obviously, we've seen what kind of damage he can do, even when he's crossing or when he shifts inside. So Palmer, who's arguably comfortable even on the touchline because he's got this lovely close control, he's able to draw players out wide, that becomes a nice option because 
Gusto um, also is somebody who overlaps, but his his sort of preference is just to cross. You seldom see him attack, attack the box and offer the kind of shooting that James does, shift it onto his left side and then shoot with his weaker foot. Those kind of things I think Gusto still has to develop. Um, which is interesting considering he started as a forward player as a number 10 in his younger days. But he seems to have sort of given those skills away and then focused on being just an expert maestro at, at just crossing the ball. And and un- unfortunately, Nico isn't good in the air. We've got short players across the pitch. So it loses a little bit of the damage that that a fullback can do. So with Reese, I think there is a lot of positional freedom, a lot of um, tactical sense in terms of giving Palmer the kind of freedom he needs. There will be the overlap available for him. There will be the underlap available for him. He can shift to different positions. So I think Reese changes a lot of that. And on the left-hand side, like I mentioned, when Nkunku comes in, just having somebody to to link up with, with Nico Jackson and arguably bring the best finishing that is there in the entirety of the squad, I think is an exciting possibility. It's just, um, where does he fit? Like, does he fit in the center as as a third midfielder who's who's dropping deep or does he shift on the left-hand side, you know, and in Mudrik's position or Sterling's position and then he comes inside centrally. So a uh, lot of possibilities to experiment, but I think Nkunku is, a, is an option that only becomes available in February. But with Chukumeka coming in, I think um, it'll be interesting to see what, what Poch interprets as as a viable alternate option to, to integrate uh, him into the side. Well, it'll be interesting to see because I feel like, and maybe this is right or wrong, that Pochettino is is and has been in the lineups that he's put forward more pragmatic. While people have asked for wider sweeping changes, he has done the thing that maybe doesn't sit with people when they look at the lineup where, oh, why is Kukurea starting in a defensive position when we have Ian Motson who excelled at Burnley and we wanted to see him play in this capacity, but he has gotten some results over the last few matches. And I think in my mind, if the results continue to be strong, if you come out and you manufacture a draw or a win against Arsenal, if you can then build upon that and go have Brentford visit and beat Brentford and advance in the cup and go against Tottenham, who are one of the two, like you're facing team number one and team number two in the Premier League in the next two weeks after the break is over. And you can then also get another draw or another win. I think he's going to be very hesitant to alter or change the lineup unless there is a fitness or an injury issue to consider. I, I just don't, I think where people might see, oh, the moment someone is back available Maybe other than Reese James, I would say he is going to be very slow to put them back into the side. Like I know we've seen Trev Chalba in content recently. I don't see Trev Chalba coming back into the lineup anytime soon. Like that's one player I just don't view a pathway at this exact moment for him to earn a start in the next couple of matches. Yeah, I agree. Like Trev Chalba, Noni Madueke, these players um, interestingly pose uh quite a lot of questions in terms of where they fit, if they fit, and and what the long-term plan is. There's been some talk about Chalova preferring a move to, to Bayern Munich with, obviously, Thomas Tuchel being there. So I don't know if that stock 
is is true if if that sort of materializes somewhere in Jan or maybe further on, because they are lacking centre backs um, and and Delict isn't playing and he's unhappy with his game time there. So all those factors will be interesting to see when when the summer window comes. But like you said, I think James and Nkunku, I think those are two arguably sure. world class options. So um, you have to figure out how to put a fullback who can defend 1v1 and against the likes of Vinicius and and Rafael Leao and offer you know double digits in in terms of like goals plus assists and obviously then you've got Nkunku who can offer you double digits in goals and assists so how do you fit him there um in a side that appears well balanced I think those are interesting conundrums to have um I seem to have some inkling of what may happen but then again I, I would have never predicted in preseason that Colville starts at left back so uh, there could be an option there in terms of figuring out how to fit everybody who's on song in in the same um, eleven, and then sort of like go from there. So, fingers crossed, and uh, hopefully it all works out. Well, and if they're not happy with what the lineup looks like, what Poch puts out on the pitch, you can always go to Football Manager or EAFC and configure it yourself and see if the results are better. And uh, that generally seems to be how people feel as if their lineup is better than the lineup that potentially wins the actual game. But talking about lineups, to talk about one player in particular, we've mentioned him a few times, Colwell Palmer, who has learning how to do laundry for himself, according to a recent interview, learning how to cook and prepare meals for himself. This is the move away from home and into London. He talked about an interview, how he had been put up in a hotel and now has his own space or his own flat. And he's having to figure out not just life with Chelsea, but life off the pitch in London. We had people like Kale Arma saying, is Cole Palmer him? H I M all caps. The Sweeney asking about Cole Palmer and the impact that he's had on the team. And then Dex asking a little bit about if we could do a special show. And we will do that. We we have tabled that. We do have someone who's a city supporter who is very well educated on Cole Palmer's journey that we are looking to get on the pod here in the near future. But maybe on a surface level or not as specific as that special will be, Sam, where do you want to go in the conversation with Cole Palmer? Has he won your heart yet? Now he's beginning to. I would say that uh, he has been a breath of fresh air. It's it's always been interesting because at one point under Thomas Tuchel, we had attackers who loved, you know, just moving off the ball. When you looked at Kai Havertz, when you looked at Timo Werner, not really good with the ball at their feet, but in terms of just quantity of, of runs that they made beyond the line, you were looking like, okay, who's going to play them in? Like, no Fabregas. Um, nobody else in terms of trying to pick them out in the right way, in the right you know, sense, but and now we have so many ball dominant guys in terms of people who wanted to feed, want to run at players, and then you've got Palmer, who essentially is looking at trying to pick out that cute ball, and and I mean the first assist, nutmegging, um, you know, the player for for Jackson's assist. I think it was absolutely beautiful. It just talks about the player that he is. I think he's somebody who's different in terms of his interpretation of the role. He doesn't really want to take on players because obviously he's got uh, some issues in terms of his acceleration and stuff. He's not somebody who's going to to break free, but um, always looking to put the ball in the right direction, always trying to pick out the option that nobody else has an eye on. So his his reading, his vision has been has been lovely to see. And with the amount of guys that we have with the upside at 22 for Mudrik, for example, somebody who scored his goal, the first goal for the club 
making an off-the-ball movement, something that I've openly criticized him for, the lack of it. I think when you look at the options that are there that could evolve into players who, who make those runs, you also look at Palmer and say, look, you've got a player that can bring out the best of the rest. So um, in terms of possibilities, very, very intriguing. I think what I've seen so far has been lovely, in, even in terms of his work rate. When he loses the ball, um, especially in the first 70 minutes, when he's not exhausted, he tends to do the effort as well. So good player. I think he's got a good eye. I think he's got great execution and could be a very important player. I mean, if you're talking about him replacing the likes of Mudrik or, or displacing Sterling to the, to the left-hand side, um, I think it's testament to the fact that this guy can be a good player. I think when I was looking back at the stats that he's accumulated so far, and I think it's putting context to what the stat means. So you look at like shot creating actions, so things that led to a shot and how much he's doing that per 90. So again, Cole Palmer is not top on the amount of minutes played at Chelsea this season within the Premier League. So that's kind of caveat number one. I mean, five matches in appearances, two total starts, 242 minutes. Definitely pales to players like Enzo Fernandez, who are getting close to 700, or Raheem Sterling, who is at 640 effectively. But he has 5.21 shot creating actions per 90. Enzo and Raheem... 433424 Enzo at 33 Raheem at 30 and then Cole Palmer at 14 putting him uh very much only behind uh those two individuals Nico Jackson and Connor Gallagher in terms of total shot creating actions in the side currently and he leads within the per 90 stats like this to me even though some are arguing that he would be better suited centrally which I'd love to get your thoughts on that it feels like he is absolutely transformed the team with even some very small performances or appearances and a very few number of minutes. The question will be is about his sustainability. Like, can we sustain this level of performance from Cole Palmer for the, the next stretch of games? That would be a, a great sample size to see. If he can go from Arsenal all the way up to Man City can he sustain this level of performance or even remotely close to this level of performance? Yeah, I think that's, I th you've just, just basically pointed out what he needs to do, which is very, very important. What I really like about him is that he's obviously offering a great between the lines option, something we lost with Mason Mount. Um, somebody who was able to take the ball in the half turn in between those pockets and then exploit the space just half a second to to create separation or, to put in the ball into space. I think that's something that I really like from Palmer. Uh, and like you said, the shot creating actions speak for themselves. Um, whether he's suited to it centrally, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think there is enough of a sample size. And like you rightly pointed out, against the right kind of opposition to suggest whether he can do that uh, on a long-term basis. There have been, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say preposterous, but there have been premeditated um, comparisons to, to Juan Mata the way that he played and, you know, being a left-footed, dominantly left-footed player, uh, a creative player who was able to pick out a pass from anywhere. So I think when, when people look at Palmer, obviously there's deja vu there, but I would say there's still a long way to go before you get anywhere close. But some things definitely need improving. For example, I think he's a little bit, I mean, from from the footage that I've seen at youth level, uh, he is, he's got superb technique at shooting the ball. Uh, but he's been a little trigger happy for us. I mean, his average shooting distance 
from the shots he's taken in the first team for us is 28.5 yards, which is almost 30 yards. Confident so, young man. Confident so young man. A little ambitious. Let's just go with that. I mean, he is extremely ambitious. And sometimes he takes a shot when there are uh, there are other possibilities, maybe to recycle the ball or maybe just to make sure that he can, you know, move it to a position where he's got a better advantage. He, he essentially has this nice ability to create that half a yard of separation. Uh, he's got this nice drop of the shoulder, uses his arms if there's somebody around. Uh, he's got a good shot on him, but not from 30. Uh, I would say like he needs to reduce that distance by at least 10 and figure out if he can do it around the box, you know, and and, and take it very, very quickly. So I think those things are there for him to improve 100%. Um, but he can be he can be a very important player. I would say that he can basically be the player for us who gets... 45, 50 key passes at the end of the season and and say that, you know, you can't drop me by the pure virtue of the fact that I'm creating shots for everybody else. So if he can prove to Pochettino that he can be the one player who excels at that metric, then I think that helps him better than trying to take pot shots from 30 yards. He needs to be a little more composed. But again, these are his infancy minutes in first-team football. So I wouldn't expect anything less. We saw that with Mudrik as well. Um, so I think it's just a matter of maturing a little bit of composure and uh, trying to see what happens when when they settle in and when they know that they don't have to do something to you know just astonish and and prove a point to anybody else and and that's what the exciting part is about this season. There are a lot of players who are at that stage and hopefully when they settle down we'll see more mature decisions. Well, we will save some of the future conversation about Cole Palmer for the special that we're putting together, but we're going to take our last ad break and then come back and talk about the strike force, Chelsea strike force, how Broya and Jackson are getting on so far and should Chelsea or will Chelsea be in the market in January for reinforcements. So stay tuned for this last ad break and we'll be right back. Are you missing out on your favorite show because it's not available in your region? Trying to keep your private time private? Well, let me introduce Nord VPN. If you're bored of U.S. streaming services, why not take it for a spin in the U.K.? Using NordVPN and at the click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you. With 5,000 plus server options, no show is out of your reach. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. We all love to binge, but privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes you a messier computer, which is obviously great. Don't forget, there is literally no risk with their 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue a refund, and you can pretend like the entire situation never even happened. You, you know the, the deal here, Chelsea's whole last season. Check out my link at nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue, like the name of the podcast, to get your subscription started today. That's nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue. All right. So we had questions from Dalton and Rob asking about where Nico and Broya are at 
and who potentially or should potentially Chelsea be in the market for a striker come January? I mean, we are midway through October almost at time of recording. If you're evaluating who that striker is, you would probably have them on a short list today and be scouting them and evaluating them, potentially making the light overture or outreach between intermediaries to understand if a player may or may not be open to the idea of a move because you have a month. You have a month when the window opens to get it done and integrate the player. And the longer you wait until January, the less time you'll have for that player to potentially affect the side. Now, caveat with that being is that there is the bit of a break in the beginning of January where Chelsea will not be playing. Their last match of the year is against Luton Town. Um, and then they don't have another Premier League game until the 13th of January. Chelsea is finding ways to leave our lives for weeks at a time, Sam. But I guess maybe where do you want to go first? you want to talk about how the current players are performing? Do you want to talk about did Chelsea need to be setting up some options for the January market? I'll let you go and take it in whatever direction you want to go. Well, um, I think it it would be unfair on our current options if you didn't talk about what they've done so far. Um, but Breuer obviously has just played, you know, very, very few minutes. And um, we've seen some good, some bad, some ugly, which we expect from a player coming back from a career-threatening injury. So I would give him a free pass and say, you know, there are going to be enough minutes for him to prove that there's a lot to be done. Um, good on him to to get us an important goal and um, make sure that we got, you know, into that good winning run that we've we just hit before the international break. But there are some question marks on on how well he does against static defenses, his his movement, you know, how good he is when he's attacking headers. Um, a lot of things in terms of stuff that we didn't see at his previous loans. For example, Southampton, um, we do know that he tends to play very well as part of a front two. So he's definitely very good when he's playing off somebody because then he can attack space, then he can do the things he's good at. But when he has to come up against a stubborn defense that is negating all kinds of space in behind, that's where the questions can be asked. And we saw a little bit of that, but I, I will definitely say that there's enough time before I start evaluating Breuer more seriously, where I put you know microscope on him and say, okay, what now? But for now, he's okay. Jackson is very, very promising. I think he's progressing faster than I imagined he would um, at the start of the season. Obviously, those are promising signs, but you tend to dismiss them because it's preseason. But in terms of just things that he's doing right, he's he's doing them right, right. He's doing them consistently well. And um, you can't fault the effort. You can fault a bit of the composure. You can fault a lot of things. But like I said, he's also 21, 22 in the same age bracket. And the composure that he showed against sides in the beginning of the season where he went on to miss eight, nine big chances. And the one that he showed last weekend where he basically took a touch, moved it onto his weaker foot and put it on the other side of the goalkeeper. That's the difference. I think when he starts doing those things consistently is when you start to see the best of him. But for that to happen, you have to trust him. You have to give him an entire season's worth of time to develop. And I really think that there's a very, very good player in there. It's I can't stress this enough, Dan. I, I do think that there is a dearth of quality center forwards who have experience in a different position. And that tends to 
that tends to add so much to your center forward play. It might take away certain things because you don't know how to do them. Like, for example, because he's not played as a center forward um, for arguably the entirety of his early career. He's just moved into that nine position. Um, his hold-up play, the way he he plays with his back to goal, those are all a little raw. His aerial strength, for example, is not good enough. But you can see the fact that he's played as a winger. His work rate, the fact that he moves to the side, he understands how to create space. Uh, he can run the channels, both channels, and he can he can basically take on players when he wants to, even with the size that he has. Those are all incredibly difficult to find in the market. And we've got him for an extremely good price. So I would say that we have arguably a, a very, very promising player who's got his best years about four years away from him. Most center forwards tend to hit their stride around 24, 25. He's still got two, three years before he starts showing his mojo. So I would say, you know, he definitely has to stick around. He definitely has to be, I would say, the number one undisputed starter for us at center forward. He offers that much. And I think the decision then goes to the board saying, can we trust him over the next season? Or do we have to bring an Enzo Caicedo option in central midfield, which offers us an undisputed world-class finisher, and then Jackson tends to come in um, and offer something different. So I think it's a very difficult decision to make, but it's a decision that has to be made soon because there are some interesting centre-forward options out there. And, and we have to decide, like you say, do we start laying the groundwork? Do we move early? Or do we just hold our hand and say, some other wonder kid will pop up and we'll just give Jackson the time he needs? Knowing that the run of games that we talked about, Arsenal, Brentford, Blackburn Rovers, Tottenham, City, as the next run of games, and then you could even look further into the start of you know, the end of November before we get into December also includes a match against Newcastle. So you're talking about several teams that are in the area where Chelsea want to be within the top four. Um, so some, maybe not within the top four, Brentford and Blackburn, but I mean, Newcastle city, Tottenham, Arsenal. If you were going to pin a, an, a, like a number, if you were gonna say, Hey, if Nico Jackson accomplished or had this many goal plus assist. I don't think the assists are very realistic, but let's just say like total goal contribution during that run of games, if he were to be the starting striker in all of them, like what would be the success criteria that you're looking for? Where you say like, Hey, he's at where he needs to be. He's on that kind of continued trajectory, maybe where he's above the trajectory, like what is like the high goal. And then like, what would be like a, warning sign that like we do need to go into the market in january i think that's tough to answer dan i think a lot depends on how we as a collective unit fare against those teams i think it'll be interesting to see up until now because we've dominated possession against the likes of you know all the sides that we faced we were essentially top of the possession chart uh, it was just because a we were good at keeping the ball and b teams are happy to let us have the ball so how does the team create? How does the team look in terms of chance creating, in terms of threat when we come up against more established sites, more physical sites? If you look at Newcastle, if you look at more organized sites like Arsenal, um, John McKenzie of Tifo said he considers Arsenal to be one of the best out-of-possession sites in the world. So how do we fare against those, those completely different outfits? If the chance creating metrics tend to stay the same, which I think might not happen 
then I would be inclined to say, then I will judge Nico Jackson by saying, try to maintain or elevate his goal returns. But what I'm looking for is collective um, competence, I would say. Just show us that you can go shoulder to shoulder. With Jackson, I'm looking to see how he deals individually with the likes of William Saliba, how he can exploit weaker centre-backs, what can he offer against um, sides that are giving him a little bit of space to run behind. I think those things individually are what I'm looking for. Um, if he can contribute that to the collective identity of the side and he can take his chances, I would say if he gets four chances, can he convert two? Can he convert three? At least be on an elite striker's trajectory. Sure. He can do his finishing. I would say, you know, just go for it. You know, then then I would say keep the faith. But he also has a lot of growing to do. So why not? I, I would say just that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at how our team fares, first of all. And... Um, you know, how how he's going to to fare against everybody else. And if, if that sort of compares well, then I would say give him the faith, let him go till next year, and, and then basically evaluate. Those are some fair benchmarks for him to potentially have to go and hit. And when you look at it, I mean, Arsenal have allowed 10 goals, City have allowed 11, Tottenham have allowed 10. So not to say that teams can't put a goal past them if they get into the right position. It's teams like Brighton who have, uh, or sorry, those are the goal difference. Uh, it's uh, eight uh, for Tottenham, six for Arsenal, six for City, um, 16 for Brighton, um, and 11, or sorry, nine total for Newcastle. So when you look at it, we played eight games. Some of them are at or above letting in more than one goal a game. Some are a little bit below that, and it'll be, needing for for our players to be on their game across the entirety of the pitch not just on nico jackson's shoulders but we will look to him to be the individual or one of the individuals in that attack when you talk about some of the options and again we will do a separate episode as we get closer to the window opening and understanding more about how jackson fares over this time frame who are some of the names that you're looking at now where you're like okay i'm i'm watching them a little bit more closely I'm doing some more diligence. I'm watching some more games. I'm watching some more tape back. Are there is there a grouping of people that you are starting to identify as interesting options for Chelsea, knowing what our recruitment strategy is, or with going after kind of this set of players who are a little younger, maybe not fully proven yet, or are there more surefire options that you're thinking are just ready to be at Chelsea and would help us elevate ele elevate the side immediately? So I'll basically give you an overview. It's a sort of a complicated process, but based on the things that I've read uh, around the club, let's say I've read uh, the interview from um, Paul Vin Stanley and Lauren Stewart about the recruitment strategy. And they mentioned that they tend to look at opportunities in the market. If there's a good player to move on, then they try to make that deal happen. If it's, if it's lucrative, then 100% they will move for it. So there's one opportunity in the market there's also been talk about Pochettino being handed more responsibility, more uh, power in the transfer market. So he's obviously going to be a more vocal presence in terms of what we do. So I would say, what center forward does the manager look at? And the third would be uh, my humble contributions to it, saying which striker do I think is value for money or could fit well? So let's say those three options are there. So let's give you one for each. In terms of an opportunity in the market, I would say Victor Osman is is somebody that could pop up. Uh, he's got one year remaining on his deal at the end of the summer. 
he's had a fallout with the with the club about a social media controversy that happened which was handled very poorly from napoli uh they're under a little bit of a crisis they're changing manager um they were going to get marcelo gallardo they're going probably going to end up with antonio conte so i don't know how that ends up in the end but uh, that could be an opportunity to get arguably one of the best finishers in europe uh, on a one year deal so um if you can get him for the kind of money that we we got enzo and caicedo maybe um, the recruitment guys would say that's an opportunity so i would say him um if i look at pochettino uh, the guys he tends to go for and and the kind of forwards that have played at tottenham and and chelsea like nico jackson's profile i would say one i will be looking closely at is lautaro martinez i think he's argentinian <laughs> most importantly he's also um very well suited to the to the role that we want him to play he's very good with with both feet he's able to take penalties um extremely good in terms of his movement uh physically i have some questions his big game pedigree also in, in terms of standing up to the biggest opponents is is a question and his pedigree as a lone forward is also under question so uh we've had you know ptsd by sort of going after a serie a striker from inter milan before so i don't know how willing we would be to do it again but i would say if you had to look at somebody who fits the brief is a proven option um i would say lotaro martinez and the third one uh, the one i'm looking at is somebody who i'm profiling in terms of what the center forward is being asked to do upgrades that in terms of his finishing and offers something more i would say benjamin sheshko so uh he's now going to to rb leipzig from salzburg so he's basically taken the haaland trajectory um comparisons are not fair to both of them i would say because uh, slightly different in terms of how they performed but somebody i'm very very closely watching because he could add something that um probably not a lot of center forwards uh, in in europe could offer i really like his profile um in terms of how he functions in a team unit obviously red bull playbook is is something very similar to how pochs teams sort of tend to work but even as an individual i think he adds uh, a lot of good things so i i would say benjamin chesko so three of them and then other smaller options like kevin denki who's playing in belgium who's having a good season and a couple of other mysterious names whose whose cards i will hold close to my chest well again we have to save a little for the striker or center forward special when we record that one but those were just a couple of the topics that you asked us to jump in and discuss during this dreadful dreary always way too long international break particularly when Chelsea are in fine form and we can't wait for them to go back onto the pitch and hopefully beat Arsenal and start the climb back up to where we belong in the table that's going to do it for this episode so Sam thank you so much as always for your detailed analysis listeners thank you so much for joining us on another episode and don't fret the international break is closer and closer day by day and minute by minute to being over and having our beloved Chelsea back. But until that time and until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.